spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You are now tuned in to Word on the Street on 95.5 WSB. You didn't say, Lord, that it would be. Welcome to a Word on the Street exclusive interview. We're here with director Sam Pollard of the new documentary that comes out today, January 15th, as we start Dr. Martin Luther King weekend. The documentary is called MLK and the FBI, and we're talking to the director, Sam Pollard. Hey, Shelley. How are you, my friend? It's good to talk to you again. I'm good. Thank you. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I want to get right to it. Be- before we get into the documentary, um, to the documentary part, I want to ask this question. With everything going on right now, um, the Patriot Act, the surveillance state, as many call it right now in this country, um, with the the purging of, um, of people off of social media and tech companies doing what they're doing right now, while you were making this, do you see some similarities between then and now? Yeah, well, you know, I I think the similarities I see is that uh, we live in an America that's a very hypocritical nation and that many of the things that uh, Dr. King was trying to promote and push has been sort of twisted and people think that what organizations like Black Lives Matter are doing is sort of anathema to what Dr. King was doing, which I think is a complete misunderstanding of Dr. King's role and what he did with his civil, other civil rights activists in the 50s and the 60s. And uh, I think it's simply this, you know, when you watch my film and you hear people say things to Dr. King like, don't you feel your peaceful protests are causing riots in the cities or aren't your people moving too fast? You hear that, King's, you hear that same kind of dialogue in today, in 2020. You know, when the Black Lives Matter protests came out, or came around, you know, it had been active in the, in the summer. You know, you have people like Stump saying, you know, like Stump, like Trump saying things like, you know, they're causing rise in the streets, they're forcing these streets to get destroyed, you know. And basically, if you let socialist Democrats, you know, win this election, they're going to destroy our country. It's the same thing about what they said about communism in the 60s. So to me, America is sort of still perpetuating many of these social, so, political and social tropes that was so pervasive in the 60s. When you talk about the communism part of the documentary, because uh, in the documentary you talk about Stanley Levison, um, and in the documentary, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys say that he, he was a known communist, but he was moving away from it. Is that true? Did I understand that part correctly? Yeah, so, yeah sure. He had, been, he had been connected with the Communist Party. Some people said he wasn't a member of the Communist Party. Some people said he was just associated with with these two brothers, Morris and Jack Childs, who were known as communists, but also became informants for the FBI. So, sure, he was connected to the Communist Party, and Dr. King and him became very close confidants. 
Dr. King really had a tremendous amount of respect for 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 Stanley Levinson. But, but Stanley Levinson in, in no way was trying to get Dr. King to become a communist. You know, right? Because and I bring that up because you talked about Black Lives Matter. One of the big uh, controversies around them was calling them socialists and Marxists. Um, is that what you mean by the same similar tropes that America throws sure. out? Sure, it's the same tropes. You know, you know, America is based on capitalism, and they feel like capitalism can be destroyed. But the thing we forget that we, you know, we have a thing called Social Security and Medicare, and that's socialist. That's socialist. You know, that's for all people. You know, so it's sort of contra- Americans are so contradictory, man. You know, <laughs> they don't even understand their own history. So let's go to the documentary now. Um, I'm looking at the documentary, a fantastic piece of work. It really is. Um, I thought Maynard was great. This, I think, um, tops Maynard. And, and not because of the style or anything like that, but because of the information that I gleaned from it that I thought I knew but I didn't. One of the things that you talked about, uh, you mentioned um, the photographer Ernie, which, uh, can you pronounce his last name, Ernie? Ernest Withers. Right. And then Joe Henderson, I believe, is the other person that was in the SCLC as, as informant. Uh, it wasn't Joe Henderson, but I, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. His name wasn't Joe Henderson. Okay. But there was another guy in the SCLC that is mentioned in the documentary. I think Andrew Young fam- uh, says at that point that he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't want to say any names. Um, but... They talk. You talk about. There's another part of that same section of the documentary where they talk about the reams of information that they have access that the FBI had access to. That it becomes almost impossible to believe that there was only one or two people informing. That they had to be many more informants in and around the movement because it was just impossible for one person or two people at most to get so much information. Can you drill down a little bit on that? Well, I think it's simple as this. I mean, you know, the FBI had long tentacles. And do you believe that there were maybe only one or two people who were involved in, you know, coming together with information that they would pass on to the FBI? There had to be other informants. Now, I don't know if there were hundreds of informants, but there were definitely more than two, you know. I mean, I mean, how how else would the FBI find out so much about Dr. King? I mean, there were no, there were no, you know, black FBI agents up until the 60s, you know, so there had to be informants, black informants who were going to basically present and give and gather information about King and the SCLC. And, t- and trust me, Shelley, you know that that still exists today. I'm sure. You know, I, and, uh, yes, sir. Let me know. ask you this, though. What would be the motivation? Do you think because at the end of the day, the people in and around King didn't they knew that there wasn't this plot to take down America. Um, so what would be the mo beyond the financial motivation, do you think the motivation was something more um, uh, ideological or just purely greed? You're talking about the, with the informants, with why the they informants, did what they yes, did? Sir. With the informants, yes, sir. Well, I think in some cases it was probably the need to have some extra money and they were being told to, you know, we're not asking, you know, if, if, if an FBI agent, FBI agent phrased it like this, Curtis Withers, and this is, this is being hypothetical. If an FBI agent said, you know, Mr. Withers, we don't want you to be an informant, you know, but we're just trying to gather some intel on, on what Dr. King is thinking about when he goes into Birmingham or into Albany. You know, don't think of yourself as an informant. And, oh, by the way, we can, we can pay your 
pay you a little bit of money, you know, because we know it's expensive what you're trying to do as a photographer. You're not making a living. I mean, they can tailor anything to make someone feel, well, it's, what I'm doing is not so bad. You know, I'm just sort of helping them along. It's not, the, you know, it's not like I'm going to give them really any secrets, you know, about SCLC. You know, that's how you become an informant. When you start to believe you're not doing anything too dastardly, you right. know. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just you just want me to listen to listen around here what I'm saying and then pass it on to you. Oh, that's not so horrible. You know, that's how you become an informant, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it extends out for years. Sure. Um, going back to the documentary, one of the things I found interesting when you watch it. Well, when I was watching it, I I listened to what you what was being described as uh, how Hoover and the FBI was being described as these um, white conservative males uh, me- many of them college educated and they all saw this their goal is protecting America um, and then I'm listening to their uh, the commentary that they are believing that these left movements, the new left movements, the anti-war movement, civil rights movement, the Black Panthers, and so on and so on, were communist-driven movements. When you look at it from that, when I put that those two things together in the documentary, I almost can see where the FBI uh, was not, never justified, but I can see where they were coming from. Is, is that fair to say that it, taking the racism out of it, that they saw that this was possibly a dangerous movement? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure you could take the racism out of it. Fair because enough. Because it's a dangerous movement because what do they think? They think that this movement was going to co-opt black people to come out of the woodwork to want to be front and center. And that was like, when you think about it in terms of race in America, that was like, what? You know, black people are going to all of a sudden rise up? We don't want that. We don't want them to rise up. We want them to be happy where they are. That's racist, man. We want them to be happy where they are. And if, if we let these communists, we let these communists make them fellow travelers, America could be in trouble, you know? They're stirring up these good Negroes to be angry Negroes. That should not happen. <laughs> and so did so the communist part was was the least of their worries, is what you're saying. That's what I was driving at. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a way to say, you know, this was a, a rationale to 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 really monitor King and the and his and the movement. Not to say that they weren't obsessed with communism, they were, but all of a sudden now the, the idea of communism and black people coming together had to frighten Jagger Hoover. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's another part uh, in a documentary where um, you talk about the instigation, um, getting in and, and, and getting into the movements and putting people in the movements, particularly with the Black Panthers, uh, where they put people, inserted people into the Black Panther Party at different levels, and they would instigate the already existing tensions that may or may not have existed or created tensions that may or may not have existed. Um, isn't it possible that the uh, and I'm not saying uh, isn't it possible the same was going on from our enemies? Let's just interject ourselves into this already powder keg to blow it up. The at the actual relationship between blacks and whites at that time, where you had a subjugated, oppressed people and a people who were oppressing them who did not want to stop oppressing them. Uh, couldn't we see that as the enemy infiltrating there also? Well, depending on how you want to see it, though, Shelley. Do you- <laughs> 
<laughs> depends how you want to see it, where you're coming from, man. Sure, sure. You, you, you know and I know that the, the communist agenda was, to, was to, to galvanize black communities to say you should rise up against capitalist dogs, you know, the capitalist tenants that has kept their foot on your neck for years. Now, you know and I know some black people would say you're absolutely right. We're going to become a part of the communist party because we're tired of, of white people, capitalist white people, having their foot on our necks. Now, to, you know, it's not unfair to question the agenda of the Communist Party. The Communist Party's agenda was to, to, to disembowel capitalism. Sure, that's what they wanted to do. I mean, were they going to be successful? I didn't think they were going to be successful, but that's what part of their agenda was. You know, they saw communism as a socialist approach to making America more equal, you know. Yeah. And you and I could probably get into a long debate about the notion of equality in America. Absolutely. And the lack of equality in America. Absolutely. Let's go back to the documentary with Dr. King. Um, there's a, uh, when Coretta Scott King gets the tapes of, of the pictures and everything like that, the way it's described by uh, Dr. Young in the documentary, she seems kind of matter-of-factly when she calls the office to tell them what she just received and make sure Martin's okay, uh, that kind of thing. Um, can you take us through that a little bit? Well, I, you know, I think you got to remember that was Andy Young's presentation of it. Fair enough. Who knows, you know, who knows exactly how she was feeling and what she actually said, because we don't have any documentation or any audio tapes. But, but remember, that's Andy Young. Andy Young is going to, from my perspective, he's going to be, a, he's going to, he's going to downplay the impact of it. And, and that could be because it was 40 years ago. That's because that's how they handled it then. You know, so right. I don't know. I couldn't tell you exactly how Coretta Scott King reacted to it. The only, way would ever, the only way would ever actually know, Shelly, if she left some letters or diaries or some audio expressing and articulating how she felt when she received that letter and that the audio tape about her husband. At the end of the documentary, there's a uh, you talk about how the National Archives rule, rule will release all the surveillance tape and everything around all the FBI surveillance of Dr. King the entire uh, number of years that they surveilled him, wiretapped him, followed him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you think when that is released in 2027, it's only six years from now, that's going to go by like a, you know, very quickly. Do you think it's going to change our view of Dr. King or do you think um, that we understand humans to be humans and we, it won't change anything for many of us? It'll depend on who you are. I mean, if you have a self-righteous attitude about things in life, you'll see it as, oh, my God, he was a horrific human being. If you have a more, it's what I call, well-rounded perspective about human beings in life, like I do, you'll say, well, hey, he was flawed, but that didn't take away from what the impact of what he did for America. It'll depend on who you are. Depending on where you're coming from. I got you. I got you. Fair yeah. answer. Fair answer. Fair answer. Um, finally, and I know I don't have much longer with you, and I appreciate your time again, uh, <coughs> Director Pollard, uh, Mr. Pollard. Um, I really do. Every time we talk, it, I wish we could go for hours. Um, but the final question I have is, after we, we know what we know, after we see what we see, and we saw what the FBI was doing, um, we see that... Uh, there was a poll that was taken where Dr. King uh, was less uh, popular than Hoover at the time, and those roles have been reversed. Um, do you think that the FBI 
however wrong it was, do you think they truly felt that they were justified? And the reason why I asked the question was because in the documentary, it talks about how at every level of government, the Congress, the presidency, everyone knew exactly what was going on. Do you think that there was a that they felt they were justified in doing that? And if you do feel they, they felt they were justified in doing it, why can I not believe that that is continuing to happen now at even deeper level because everyone's so connected with technology? Well, listen, how could they not feel they were justified? I mean, they thought they were righteous and they were on the right or good. You know, and the king was someone that they had to really be concerned about because they saw him as a radical. And I still think that in, 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 if you look at, you know, law enforcement today, there's still a, a very self-righteous attitude about who they how they define and see who they feel is on the right of, on, on on the right side of how they see the law, you know. So I think that sort of philosophy still exists in these organizations, you know. I mean, it, it's as simple as, um, it, you know, as simple as a police officer looks at a person and they quickly define who they think they are. They don't really think about them in a much more what I call layered perspective. They see a person and they define that person as good or bad from the way, they, the way they've been taught to see people in society. The FBI is still the same way. I mean, I think when, when, when James Comey says in the film, he sees that as the darkest chapter in the history of the FBI, I sort of say, well, I appreciate his perspective on it, but I'm not quite sure that's really true. The FBI probably has other dark chapters you know, that might come out. So that philosophy that they were doing the right thing, obviously they felt it then, and some of the tactics they continue to do today, they probably still feel they're doing the right thing. Man, Mr. Pollard, I appreciate your time. I always love talking to you, man. I, I tell you, we've got to sit down one day and just talk because I, I, I glean so much information from you when I talk to you, and I so appreciate you um, joining me today on our show, Word on the Street. Um, this film, MLK, FBI, it airs in, um, this sat this Friday it starts. It's at the Landmark Theater in Atlanta, and it's also on Amazon Prime. Anything else before we let you go? Is there anything else you want to add that I may not have asked? No, I think you asked a lot of really interesting questions today, Shelley. I try. Good questions. I try. Yeah, good I try, questions. brother. Have a great day. Good God man. bless you, brother. Be good, man. Got gotcha. you. Oh, freedom, oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me, and before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave, and go home to my Lord, and be free, everybody, oh, freedom, oh, freedom, sing it, sister, Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.